Hello, and welcome to the Musical Minds Podcast, where it is our job to flesh out the mindset and ways to cope with the struggles that ensue in becoming a high-performing musician. Hosted by Eric Reinhardt and Jake Pietroniero. Now let's get on to the show. Are we on? Or? Yeah, yeah, we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Um, welcome to Musical Minds for this week. <laughs> I'm Jake, here with Eric, and we're going to talk today a little bit about recital preparation, um, what might go into preparing pieces for that, how you might um, go about passing a recital jury or taking a jury um, in the process of preparing for such a recital. Um, so Eric, you were saying you were just about to go to um, start the process of preparing your own recital so what are you thinking about doing in this first phase to do that um well just uh just to broad have a broad overview i mean talking about this is a perfect time kind of in the middle right in the middle of the year a lot of people are going either through finishing juries like finishing jury and recital if they're in conservatory or um or prepping recitals like I am. And, um, so what am I thinking about as I, as I, um, am going into my recital? Um, I really want to pace my practice and, and, um, uh, not get so lost in my music leading up to the event as, and by lost, I mean like each individual note, um, as we were talking off air that I played, uh, I just played a single song for somebody else's recital um, this week. And I wasn't able to play very much because of my finger. My finger was hurting me. And so I wasn't able to practice that much that day. And so um, it was a very loose sort of like, type of a kind of zoomed out approach to playing the song rather than like um, being so concerned with each individual like note and it was more of this greater landscape and I and I do want to incorporate that into my playing Um, and uh, another another goal is just to um not become completely neurotic in the process of preparing for my recital. Um, staying connected to the fact that I'm playing to serve and benefit other people um, with my playing. Um, this is much different than a, a jury where it, I'm being tested. This is merely for a bunch of folks who don't really know classical music that well. Um, and and so I want to expose them to that and just give them a good night because in Napa, where I'm from, there's not that much going on. <laughs> and so, um, right. a night on the town with Eric Reinhardt. So, uh, you were talking about not so, not feeling like you have gotten enough performance recently, and just like. It's not that it was mm-hmm. supposed, it was not like it was that overwhelming to have to learn all that music. It was merely just playing in front of other people that was 
sort of causing anxiety or changing the well i think it's a combination of both yeah okay yeah i think it's yeah because i don't know like the way that i'm approaching it now it may change i may be approaching it the wrong way right now um but just like playing for people every single time will let you know what areas in your practice you need to address pretty directly because things don't work in performance or maybe you'll like tense up and feel uh, not confident about a section that you had previously been very comfortable with in the practice room so it tells you without that i just don't think you can grow as much um and that especially so that co- comes into maybe recording yourself in the practice room or having some sort of feedback evaluate from Mm-hmm. moment that you're doing it um that's sort of my my thoughts about the next step for that and then the second idea is the just the amount of rep that I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable or didn't have time to prepare it in the same way that i did when i was preparing a year ago for auditions where i had a, a ton of time to prepare not a lot of rep and you could go into like very specific for that much stuff so it changes the way that i need to approach practice and i'm not sure exactly what that is yet mm-hmm. um but that accounts for the anxiety a little bit mm-hmm. especially if you're also working and also being in school there's there's not quite enough time to sit in experimentation i guess like things need to happen quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is the point that i'm in now trying to yeah yeah almost sound uh do you know what murphy's law is i think it's murphy's law yeah what can happen oh, will happen oh wait no it's a different it's a different law um i think it's oh. parkinson's law that uh you the activity will uh, parkinson's law um it's that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. So like when you had, when you had that open, mm. when you had that open amount of time, you were able to satisfy it. And, and granted, um, it doesn't feel as good to have a short amount of time to get a lot of repertoire done, but you were able to somehow manage it, um, manage mm. to get through it. Cause you had to. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. You have to, it's the next issue for it <laughs> yeah um and so that's the way it's like honing making being efficient with your time yeah. you know mm-hmm. like practicing seven hours a day i think there's a lot more to do you know yeah i don't know if this is as applicable to you but to me like as I've gotten much more proficient in music theory and and uh, understanding harmony, it makes learning music that much faster. Um, b- because I'm reading a full score and I see what everything's going on, but um, I think you just get better at taking on new music. Um, that that's just what I've experienced in the past like six months. Yeah, I, so. I absolutely agree. I've been lucky enough to have to have teachers that pounded that into us to 
especially for Bach, something like Bach, like you have to analyze it and that helps with memorization and helps with yeah. sort of picking out where you want your phrases to go. And I think it, I am all for that. That works. Mm. And then you get better every time too, right? Like every time you start a new batch of repertoire, you're like, all right, I learned so much from this last one. Let's do yeah. it. There's always more to, more to learn. Just a minor tangent. Cause I think this is so cool. And, uh, you can sort of correct me if I'm wrong, but, so composers will purposely use flats to indicate that a like an accidental flat to indicate that it's going to resolve down. They'll use what? They'll miss, use a flat. Miss that. You. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll use a sharp to indicate that something's going to resolve upwards, like an accidental that's not already in the key signature. Mm, yeah. Um, and this is especially applicable to me. I'm I'm learning the butterfly etude, and uh, it it almost drives me a little crazy because it's G flat major, and there's several instances where he's using B double flats instead of just A natural. Mm. But the reason he's doing that is to indicate that it's going to resolve down to A flat. Uh, and so just because how you want in your scale, you want A, B, C, D, E, F, G, he wants to show that it's moving, moving in that line. And, um, so just like learning, learning that has made learning repertoire a lot easier, uh, if the composer follows that condition. Um, but I've been enjoying that. Yeah. Especially the stuff with that. I remember I had a great teacher that told me about uh or they they taught us about leader like german leader and especially schubert and there was one particular song that i reminds me of the conversation because he uses some stupid key with you know five flats or five sharps or whatever but and then he modulates and it all switches to flats because it's easier to read for the performer and like we're trying to analyze the piece and it's like why would he do that it's, it's the same or it's maybe an anharmonically equivalent key yeah. you know <laughs> but you're like why would he do that there must be some rhetorical reason <laughs> and then our teacher's like no it's just you can't read seven flats like <laughs> it's outrageous <laughs> yeah five sharps is way easier <laughs> yeah so i thought that was yeah so understanding the theory behind why you're playing what you're playing will definitely help your interpretation mm-hmm. and probably make it easier to read. Yeah. my So this is actually translated into my performances because because I know the, the circle of fifth so intrinsically. If I ever get lost or lose concentration, I, I can like find where that 5-7 is and know where to go. <laughs> whether it's five, seven or augmented six going down a half step or five, seven going down a fifth, just like knowing those very common resolutions has like saved my butt when I stop paying attention, like in a, in a formal performance of something. Um, yeah. Um, is there anything that you, uh, I guess would change about your preparation for for your jury. 
Yeah, I think I think so. Um, the thing about this batch of repertoire that I played for this jury is I started it and have been off and on on it for about a year. <laughs> like the I started the Bach in May, um, but then like I took many breaks and may, I like went to travel for a couple months and didn't play. So it kind of got all of it got jumbled, and all of it got jumbled with different technique as I'd been taking from different teachers and I've like been improving my playing. It's some old, I mean, old patterns are, are sort of hammered in, in there because it's taken so long. And as a result of that, I wasn't as familiar, especially in the Brahms with with, like what the piano was doing and how we fit and like what the theory was behind the work and like a broad analysis of it. Um, Because I think, so for this next batch of repertoire, it takes, when you learn it, like you should just, I think, just sit with the score for a while if it's a if you're playing with a piano, and just analyze it and figure out like a broad thing, a broad outline of what you're doing before you start delving into the notes. Because I felt a little bit um, underprepared in that way for my jury this time, and that's disappointing because it means that you're just playing the notes and you're not really investing like musicality mm-hmm. in in at the next level, you know. How strict so that was were, a little bit disappointing. How strict were your teachers or is the whole system of jury for um like musical interpretation, uh acknowledging the composer's intentions, um how much freedom do you have with tempo choice and uh interpretation? I mean, I, it's probably different at every school and every teacher has a different idea, but at least the one that I'm taking from right now is seems pretty relaxed on that. So I'll bring, I'll bring in something with my, I've prepared it and I play it for her and maybe she'll have something to say about like the, the bow stroke or maybe like taking a little bit too much time or the tempo is too, too slow here. But overall, I think if we argue about it, she's just saying like, you can do whatever you want. You just have to be convincing about it. Yeah. And it has to be tasteful, whatever, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think and I think that is true for like any artist that you see now is they they're all over the, the map. Right. All of the a different pianist interpretation of the same piece. They're all crazy. And like my and an old teacher that recorded the box suites and they're super romantic and she takes tons of time and uses juicy vibrato, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's a super successful recording. So, so she just committed and she did the work. She like analyzed it all and like came up with, you know, analyzed the and Anna Magdalena scores, which is like Bach's wife who like wrote down those things. It's like the manuscripts that we have left uh-huh. from those Bach cello suites. And she just like studied those and she it was very academic. And then she decided to go with that interpretation, mm. you know? So I have no answer. Okay. No, that's, that's a good answer. <laughs> What did you experience um, with that? Um, well, I don't really necessarily have somebody breathing down my neck uh, when I'm perf- when I'm performing these recitals. So, uh, as I'm going into this recital, the one thing is my friend Zach, who is in a very established pianist, will be there, and um, I know that he'll be listening, but. Um, going into it, I'm going to be playing my pieces a lot, and 
I'm going to figure out what interpretations that I like. I'm not going to listen to other people's recordings very much leading up to this recital. Oh, you don't? Um, mm. like, like I've listened to the songs in the past, but I don't want to listen to them days before my performance. Uh, um, Because I have a tendency to want to play at the tempos that these people play at, and I know that I can't, I can't accommodate the Lang Lang tempo that is just ridiculous. And um, there are a lot of stylistic things that I enjoy out of those recordings, um, but I realize that I don't have the technical capabilities that a lot of these these really famous pianists do. So. Um, um, yeah, I'm just gonna, like I said, it's not necessarily a very literate crowd in classical music that I'm catering to. So I'm going to do whatever the hell I want and <laughs> with, with my interpretations and, um, just have a good evening, have a good enjoy in really enjoy the performance while making sure to have a, like a some level of technical proficiency, right? I'm not just gonna overlook um, miss notes and um, like improper like rhythmic figures or something. Uh, I'm I'm going. I want to obviously have like good technique in the process, but as far as musical interpretation, I'm gonna be very uh, liberal <laughs> with with what I do. Yeah, I think that could be a whole nother episode too, is like who we play for and how that determines what what we feel pressure yeah. to do. Because mm -hmm. I, I always thought that was interesting. That, that's what this community concert at the church was. It was, you know, just church folks don't know a lot about classical music. A bunch of kids probably have never heard these pieces before. And I don't know, why not do something interesting <laughs> there, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because... They're, they're just, they're not, chances are they won't notice this, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you um, know? Yeah, when I played... I don't know if that's, I never really understood that, that concept. Yeah. When I played the waltz at this recital, it was for all these really young kids. And that waltz, the Grand Valse Brilliant, is just really fun. It's a very fun and lively song. And um, so I really, that that was like the main emotion that I really wanted to communicate to these kids um, is that I was having fun. There's several sections that are quite high energy and jovial. And I, so I really wanted to communicate that in, in that. Um, yeah. Mm. Could we go into um any general things that the teachers gave you feedback on? Uh, any criticisms or um, positive, negative things that you're doing well? Or or did they not give you feedback? Um, at the jury, like? Yeah. I actually haven't gotten the papers back yet. Okay. I'm okay. emailing and trying to find them. So the the tone was like um, you walk in and you play and then you just leave. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Oh, okay. They didn't like speak with you. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. One of them said, wow, that's way too much repertoire. <laughs> when I said <laughs> what I had prepared. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, interesting. Yeah. I would, I, I might make, make a little thing about the specific, um, sections of these pieces that my teachers critiqued me on that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, it might make more sense to see a score and hear it and then talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, um, trying to think. Uh, so what did you do the day of your jury? Um, what did it, what did it look like? Like the overall routine um, things that you made sure that you wanted to get your head right and your body right to prepare for that? Well, I would just say, like, general um, preparation. Like, I had someone essentially quiz me and be the jury and be like, okay, start with the Sarabond for Bach and then, like, go t- and then stop me in the middle of it and say, like, okay, now play the Quran. Like, okay, and now play some Brahms, which is pretty much how they do mm-hmm. that. They'll just stop you in the middle of it and then direct you to the next movement. And you have to be like, collect yourself. And it's kind of like auditions, you know? Interesting. They will be like, okay, thank you. And you'll be like, okay, gather. Um, and the day of, I'm actually in a, I'm confused. I've confused myself. Remember our episode on coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Several, like one of the first ones. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I drink coffee all the time. It's great. I love it. Um, I can't play on coffee, really. I can't. If I have a lot of coffee, I get incredible bow shake because the adrenaline and the caffeine together is just way too much to perform perform in front of people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you did it. Um, and I actually had an experience last weekend. No, last weekend I did it for a friend's recital. It was like pretty easy music and I had two cups of coffee. I had one maybe an hour or two before the performance and I, my bow shake was crazy. Like I couldn't control my arm. It was just too much, uh, you know, for them, for the moment. So what I've been doing is not drinking coffee on the days I have to perform. And what I, what I get out of that is like being fairly uh, lethargic and tired, you know? Yeah. So I'm uh that's sort of like, as far as routine for the jury day goes, like I didn't drink coffee on the jury day and I was very tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's something that I need to, think about and figure out uh i think well, i tried to rehearse with my pianist on the day of i tried to run every section that i was worried about yeah i would try to just hit like three times in a row or something um like the opening to the schwanendreer is just like uh it's pretty open but it's an octave it's open c open g strings and then an e octave on the dna strings yeah and like it's huge because the orchestra is not playing so that has to be like really solid, especially if you're nervous or something like that. It kind of sets the tone for the whole piece. So, you know, I'd run stuff like that. Um, and overall, just try to tell myself that I was prepared because I did work hard on being prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what's interesting, actually, that's part of the anxiety that we were talking about earlier comes yeah. back to sort of hearing yourself play if you've been recording 
or like in your lessons, you know what you have to work on the summer. It's like, these are your big deficiencies and this is what you need to work on to improve it all for the next year. Uh-huh. So like, I'm already thinking about that stuff as I'm continuing to play the old repertoire that I've learned in this like fairly shoddy technique, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that when I have to perform it in front of people, I'm like, Oh my God, I know that I'm doing this wrong. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Bulletproof musician talks about, when you're setting up your practice sessions, right before you leave your practice session, you write down, you identify the the problem that you need to come back and address for your next practice session, and that that mm-hmm. is can also apply on a long term basis of like create that drama, know exactly what it is that you're um, going to come back to, so you can like give yourself some space. But as you're getting more space, you're kind of dwelling on this this uh, these thoughts of how I can improve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you have any great advice? website? Yeah. Uh, so do you have any, any advice for me as I go into my, into my like final three weeks leading up to my, leading up to my recital? Are you doing stuff from memory? Uh, am I going to be performing them from memory? Um, some of them. (laughs) Some of them. Okay. That informs. Mm. Yeah. So that, um, I think the, the memorization process we talked a little bit about, um, and that's hard because I still get anxious about it, but, um, I think I find mental practice super helpful yeah. when you're feeling, especially when you're feeling physically tired and if you're like able to run the piece in your head and identify like what chords you're playing and I must, it must be really hard for piano. I just have a single line, so it's way easier for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, whatever that, that equivalent is for you guys, uh, I, I find that like I do that on the day I have to perform from memory i'll just like run run the piece in my head and see if there's any spots that i'm unsure about and then look check the score and see why i'm having struggling is that like when you're napping Um, or like when you're laying in bed or is it like in the practice room closed eyes uh no it's like when i'm working (laughs) okay i work in the library and i scan books all day so when i scan books all day i'll just run a piece in my head and practice Oh, okay. It's a good use of the time because it's really boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you become what you think about. But it's true. It's affirmations, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess as far as I don't really have any advice because you're you're pretty versed in giving your own recitals. I think you're doing it because you like it, and people that are coming are just coming to hear music, and you can impart whatever you want to impart yeah right Mm -hmm. that's comforting yeah yeah definitely (laughs) i'm playing for people that uh care about me so uh it's very (laughs) it's very comforting uh there's very few strangers in the audience at that point which is a good Mm -hmm. feeling for sure all right well you want to wrap up cool yeah Let's until next time. I'll have a episode about improvisation coming soon. 
Hello there, it's Eric here. I just wanted to thank you for listening in to the Musical Minds podcast. If you enjoyed this free podcast, would you do me a huge favor and leave an honest review and subscribe to the podcast? It really makes a difference in getting our message visible to musicians in need. Remember, there are so many musicians out there in the world struggling. Always remember you are not alone. If you're inspired by this podcast and you'd like a free 30-minute intro Skype piano lesson, please contact me directly at musicalmindspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, continue feeding the fire of your musical passions and developing your musical mind. Take care.